0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Bookish Bliss, our virtual book club. Every week, we will dig into a section of chapters in our favorite books. Let's get started. Hello, hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode two of Bookish Bliss. We have a lot to discuss today. But before we get started, I wanted to show this gift we received from my Aunt Terry. It's an amazing, handmade, personalized clock that was designed specifically for our podcast. Got it nice and close in the camera here. That is so cute. Yeah, Isn't it the cutest? It's got the moon with the headphones and the mic, the little book on top. And then you can kind of see we got some oh girls
0: God. reading. That's amazing.
1: Isn't it so cool? I love cool? It so much. Sorry, but the sides just say reading is my therapy. The back says just a girl who loves books. It's just so cute and amazing. And I love it. I love it so much. I had to show it off a little. We will also post the clock and show all the the details on instagram and tiktok so everyone can see how beautiful it is we love you terry thank you so much for our gift i will eventually display it somewhere so it's visible in our episodes as well
0: all right so this week we're gonna be covering chapters 12 through 20 in a court of thorns and roses by sarah j mass there will be no spoilers beyond the covered chapters you don't have to read the whole book to listen you just have to be caught up on the chapters we're covering. Amanda, what are you drinking tonight?
1: Unfortunately, I'm still on antibiotics, so we got our LaCroix sparkling
0: water again next week you are joining me for wine so I don't have to drink alone. I promise. I (laughs) am drinking. I couldn't decide. I was going between something Italian, a cab, but I picked a blend. It's Hess Select, a red blend from California. And that's what I'm going to be drinking tonight. That's awesome. I like the little
1: design on the front. Looks like a little lion.
0: Do you ever just pick wine based on what the bottle or the label has? Because I do that all the time. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs)
1: Okay. So, Before we hear the summaries for this section of chapters, I wanted to mention two predictions that we received from listeners. One was from Maddie. She thinks that Favor will end up with Tam-Tam but senses some sexual tension between Vera and Lucian building. Hmm. So I can see why she thinks this. Lucian was a little flirty in the beginning, wanting to know about her past lovers and if she thought they were more handsome than human men. They definitely spent more time together and sort of snuck around doing it. But I got the vibe that they were going to be more of besties than a steamy hookup. And after reading up to chapter 20, I definitely see more of a friendship growing here especially since we have a beautiful mystery man at the end of chapter 20, who may be the competition for Tamlin that we need in this story.
0: Yeah, I don't think the competition's going to be Lucian. But I can totally see it at the beginning. Feyre does prefer spending time with him, but I think it's because she doesn't really find him that intimidating. She knows what He's going to give her where Tamlin's pretty unpredictable. Yeah, I agree. So our second
1: prediction is from Tracy, my aunt, and she thinks that the mercenary is the woman Lucian is talking about that put the blight on the magic. Tracy thinks that the mercenary is actually the one who told Tamlin about Pharaoh killing Andrus and that it wasn't magic that brought him to her doorstep. Again, before reading this stretch of chapters, I could see why she would think this. The mercenary had tales of her encounters with the beast and survived. She also respected Pharaoh for taking down the huge wolf. Is this because she too was trying to take them all down? She also says someone helped her in her time of need, so she was just returning the favor. And after reading through this section, Could that have been the King of Highburn, hiring her to spy and taking her in to do his dirty work? There were spies everywhere. Could there have been one in the mortal lands? Or is having Feyre there and keeping her safe have something to do with the agreement between Tamlin and this evil she? In line with Tracy's prediction, she could have told Tamlin of Feyre's whereabouts and that she killed the wolf. Maybe she is not so evil after all and is working with Tamlin to protect the mortals. Then I thought, my goodness. Is the mercenary actually one of the original six mortal queens that developed this treaty? There would have to be some way for her to become immortal, obviously, which I don't think is entirely impossible in the story with all this kind of magic. So I'm going to keep my eye on this prediction, and it may or may not have been the same she as mentioned by Lucian, but I think it's fun to theorize who it could be. What are your thoughts, Megan, about this? prediction.
0: You know, I think it's definitely really interesting and maybe not something that I totally thought about when I was reading this portion of the book. But I think what's so great about this book and the books that come after this is that you can look at this story in so many different ways and theorize in so many different ways and you just will never know what the actual truth is until Sarah wants you to know. And that's why her books to me are just so fantastic. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited to find out. Mm -hmm. So, we'll
1: definitely add these to our spreadsheets and talk about them in our final thoughts episode. So, for now, let's get started with the good stuff and break down Akatar part two. Over to you, Meg. Please summarize this set of chapters for us.
0: Okay. Just like in episode one, I'm going to be saying a few brief sentences about each of the chapters. And then later in our episode, we'll be digging a little deeper into what the plot is about and what we think about everything. So, Here we go. It's going to be a long one. (laughs) All All right. So chapter 12. We are picking up right where we left off in chapter 11. Feyre has woken up from her nightmare and she decides to walk the manor and create a map for herself. She knows the map won't make sense to anyone but her because she cannot read or write beyond the basic letters. Tamlin makes an appearance as the beast. He is returning from killing the bog. Feyre and Tamlin have a bonding moment in a makeshift infirmary is eavesdropping the following morning and getting caught by Lucian and Tamlin. They are running out of time. For what? Since she was caught red-handed and Lucian wouldn't hang out with her, she's forced to hang with Tamlin. But instead of hunting, she makes him bring her to the study. Which brings us to chapter 13. Samlin leaves her alone after bringing her to the study. She wants to write a letter to her family to let them know that she's okay. We learn more horrible things about her family and how they neglected her education. She is now spending her days learning to read and write. During a break from studying, she finds a mirror on the wall that tells her all about how the world was created. Samlin interrupts her studies and tells her he can write the letter for her. She gets offended and they get into an argument. She sets off to find Lucian. She asks him in an inconspicuous way or not so inconspicuous way how to catch the cereal he not only tells her but arms her what the heck lucian wild wild chapter 14 Vera stops to get the supplies she'll need to catch the cereal and then sets off into the woods like the determined queen she is she finds the location of where she would best snare the cereal and she is successful shocking on her first try he tells her what she already knows, which is she cannot go back unless she wants to die and her family along with her. But we do learn Tam-Tam is, in fact, the High Lord of the Spring Court, and we are getting very useful intel before the surreal is rudely interrupted by some ugly-ass creatures called the Naga. Chapter 15. Feyre screams. She is hoping Lucian is nearby, but in the meantime, she has seconds to decide how she keeps herself alive. Her first shot saves the surreal by breaking their trap and then she shoots again to knock down one of the naga. A wild chase ensues and the remaining three naga give her a run for her money and she was just to be out of luck when Tam Tam saves the day again and kills the remaining naga. Tam and Pharaoh walk back in silence after that bloody encounter and she thinks well if I can't go back to my family I need to warn them. Chapter 16 after a nice hot bath and hot chocolate, Alice gives fear the tongue lashing she deserves after wandering off and listening to bad advice from Lucian. Alice thought she was smarter than that, but after her encounter with the puka and now this, Alice is disappointed. We learn fairies can lie. Shock. Not. Tam... <laughs> tries to show concern but always seems to insult Feyre while he's trying to make her feel better. Feyre has had enough but Tamlin gives her a little by telling her that her family not only knows she's safe but he glamored them to think that she's with a wealthy aunt and not kidnapped by a beast. Why not just tell her this in the first place but nonetheless Feyre asks for paints since she finally accepts her retirement in captivity. Chapter 17, Vera cannot catch a break with these nightmares, but now we've added the surreal, the Naga, and some awful pale lady ripping her to shreds of the mix. An awful murder occurs in the manor when Tamlin brings back a blue fairy from the summer court who had his wings ripped off by this her. Tamlin attempts to save him, Vera helps, but Lucian couldn't stand it, and he flees from the room after throwing up in a potted plant. Their efforts are unsuccessful as Feyre and Tamlin hold the fairy's hand as he passes away with hopes his wings will return in the afterlife. So sad. That was so sad. That whole scene was so sad. I know. Chapter 18. The next day after the tragedy of the Blue Fairy, Lucian and Tamlin take her for a picnic. Fayra makes two jokes while they're on this adventure, which almost causes Tamlin and Lucian to die of shock. Tamlin takes her alone to this pool of starlight, and at first, Fayra is like, I'm not undressing and swimming with you, but after learning about Lucian's tragic past, she wants to change the subject, so she agrees to swim, and we have a moment of sexual tension between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Tamlin uses this swimming session as time to get to know Fayra more. And all in all, this was an informative and less gory chapter than we've had in this stretch of chapters. Yes. We end the chapter with Lucian admitting he heard Feyre scream and hesitated. He tries to make it up to her by giving her a jeweled hunting night. Don't stab him in the back. We'll see Lucy baby after that's done. Mm-hmm. Not impressed. Unbelievable. So much happens in chapter 19. We get to see the impressive art gallery inside of the manor that makes Vera emotional and gives her the drive to complete many, many paintings of her own. She started painting all day, every day, but the painting didn't distract her when Tamlin was gone for long periods. She has an off day when she is reminded that her family is most likely forgetting about her quicker due to the glamour Tamtam put on them and is mad he is the one who did this and she didn't help them. She storms into the Rose Garden after dinner, which we learned was a mating gift for Tamlin's mother. Feyre is like, but my family doesn't even care for me after all I did for them. She cuts her hands on the Rose's thorns and Tamlin heals her by kissing her palms and leaves her in the Rose Garden after a heated kiss on the cheek. The next day, to avoid Tamlin, she goes into the woods, but Tam's stalks her there. She traps him in a snare to get back at him for being such a stalker. They have another moment where she plays with his hair and he purrs like a cat, <laughs> like Poppy. <laughs> he also gives her and reads to her five dirty poems, tells her about his family being murdered, and that he can play a mean fiddle. We get more information where we learn about Fire Knight, but Feyre is not invited. We end this chapter with Tamlin and Lucian having a heated confrontation with the Ator, which basically alludes to that their time in the manor is running out. Dun, 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 dun. Chapter 20. Deep breath after all of that in one chapter. (laughs) Feyre wants to go to Calamine, even though Tamlin has told her no. Twice. He wants her locked in her room and away from all the other fairies showing up in the spring court. She obviously does what she wants anyways and goes, where she sees fairies lining a pathway to a cape. Tamlin told her he had to participate in the Great Rite. She assumes this is where the ritual will be held. She is finally noticed by three male fairies who recognize her as human. They start herding her towards the darkness in the trees when the most beautiful man she has ever seen saves her. The three males are clearly frightened of the stranger and they take off. Who is this beautiful man? Who is he? We need to know. And that is the summary of chapters 12 through 20. And I'm going to hand it back over to you, Amanda to touch on the characters in the world building. Thank you,
1: Megan, for summarizing those chapters for us. That was great. Besides the encountered fairies that I'll talk about in the world building section, there was only one new character sort of introduced at the end of chapter 20. But Before we talk about this new beautiful man, we do learn some interesting facts about our main characters that I would like to point out. We learn that Vera cannot read or write beyond the basic letters. Her mother neglected their education and never hired a governess. After poverty struck, her older sisters deemed the school and didn't teach her anything. Instead, they mocked her for being illiterate. She only knew enough to function, but even signing her name was mortifying.
0: So horrible.
1: I cannot with these fucking two.
0: I know. Even the mother, like, you didn't have the time with all your parties and hanging out with your friends to know. even educate your daughters. Why well, do they, these people have children if they don't want to invest in them? Well, she probably didn't want daughters and she got three. True. But the sisters, they're like, oh, no, you can't go to this village school because it's beneath you. But we're not going to teach you so you can stay illiterate and then we're going to make fun of you for it. Yeah. Like, asshole. They make me so annoyed. I was literally tearing up when I was reading that section. I forgot about all this and I not really forgot about it, but I forgot about it, you know, and I was just extremely sad and all of these chapters were kind of making me sad in <laughs> some way
1: or another. Yeah, there was a lot that went on in this stretch for sure. We get some interesting background info about Lucian as well. He is the youngest son of the High Fei in Autumn's Court, the youngest of seven brothers, The Autumn Court is cutthroat and all the brothers compete for the title since the strongest will actually inherit it, not the eldest. Lucian didn't care to be the High Lord, so he did whatever he wanted, including wandering the courts, making friends with other high face sons, and dating girls that his father believed were not fit for his bloodline. This kind of sounds like a little bit like Feyre. (laughs) She just does whatever she wants. Yeah, she does. He fell in love with one girl that, of course, his father didn't approve of. He planned to run away and marry her and leave his father's court. Instead, his two eldest brothers held him down while his father executed her right in front of him. He left his father's court and three of his brothers went after him to kill him, but only one returned. Lucian killed one and Tamlin killed the other. Tamlin claimed Lucian and he became an emissary. He was good at talking to people, better than Tamlin, and already made so many friends. His father never apologized, and his brothers were too frightened of Tamlin to go back. Therod now understood why Lucian is the way he is and the walls and barriers he constructed. Yeah,
0: that's tough.
1: That, when I read that, I literally cringed. Could you imagine watching your love, the love of your life that you're planning to give everything up for, executed by your own father?
0: Like, no, I could not imagine. And to have your brothers be holding you down Yeah, while it happened. Nobody is on your side in this moment. And this poor, innocent girl, he must feel so guilty and I know. Did you have an inkling or any feeling that Lucian wasn't originally from the spring court? Well, I originally
1: thought he was because, you know, Tamlin, when they were talking about what happened to his court or the rest of his emissaries, I thought maybe he just was the one that stuck around. One of the Mm -hmm. only ones that stuck around. But now this came... As a shock to me that he was actually from another court and sort of adopted by Tamlin.
0: Yeah. He is the son of the Autumn Court High Lord, which is wild and I think makes a little bit more sense with like his red hair kind of fits in. And the way that his room was decorated. If you remember in the last set of chapters when she goes into his room. No, it's this set of chapters when she goes into his room to get information on the surreal and she describes his bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes more sense knowing now that he is from the Autumn Court.
1: Yeah, that totally. I didn't even make that connection about his hair, but yeah, it totally makes more sense now. And I'm actually so glad that I didn't pick the Autumn Court to live in because that was a close second for me after the summer. But now knowing how cutthroat it is, I'm like, ugh, thank God I didn't pick that court.
0: No, I know. That's why I didn't choose which court i would want to live in because we you know start finding out what each court is like and i thought yeah. it would be too spoilery and kept it to just what the seasons are or what the court is and if i would like it or not because you yeah. just don't know which court is deadlier than the others just based on the name i guess they're all deadly in some way because right. the high lords are so powerful but you wouldn't think autumn awful Yeah,
1: it sounds like the worst one so far that we know of. True. Alice tells Feyre that she actually does have family, two nephews who live far, far away from them. Her sister and her husband were killed 50 years ago, but then two nephews survived. This was interesting to me. I did not expect this at all. No, I know. And
0: Alice takes no shit from everyone. Yeah. She's like, I do have a family. Everything I am doing is for my family. Do not question me, little girl. Yeah, literally. But so did they grow up in the spring court or are they from somewhere else? Well, they're not in the spring court. I currently, know. So I think we're just going to have to wait and find out where they yeah, are. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can assume that
1: Alice traveled to the spring court maybe after the death of her sister.
0: Maybe. For
1: now, we can think of that. She somehow ended up in the spring court. Yeah, somehow. OK, moving on to Tamlin. We learned that he was a child during the war 500 years ago. We know from Alice that some species of fairy and hyphae age slower than humans. It would not be adults until the age of 75. So he must be between 550 and 575 years old. Wild. He is one old mf
0: <laughs> i know in these books it's just always so wild to me we're like swooning over these men who are 500 years old yeah. and favor is 19
1: yeah that is crazy. a
0: crazy major age gap although i guess
1: if they age slower then he's really maybe 100 instead of which
0: doesn't make it any better but. but he can play mean fiddle
1: that's true he says if he was old enough he would have fought for them against slavery against tyranny He would gladly have gone to his death no matter whose freedom he was defending. His father was just like Lucian's, but worse, and his two older brothers were just like him. What he witnessed them do stuck with him, and it's why he couldn't let himself be like them when he went to Feyre's cottage. His mother was deeply in love with his father and would never say an ill thing about him. He became a warrior, and his power kept growing. His family was killed by an enemy high lord, but miraculously, his life was spared. He only mourned his mother. We get some insight into Feyre's father's business before they were poor. He was known as the Prince of Merchants, but it was all a lie. Her family had three generations of bad debt, but they could just hide it well because of their good name. He put his wealth on three ships to Barat, I believe it is pronounced, it might be a mispronunciation, but for now we're going to go with Barat, for invaluable spices and cloth. The path was a death trap, and when the ship sank, the investors were after him like wolves, which we've already gone over in our last episode. This forced Feyre to start
0: hunting at 14 years old. 14 years old. Holy moly. The wealth didn't just go away right away. They right had about 3 years until the money all ran out but yeah. you would think knowing that the money was going to run out that the family might try to start putting together a backup plan but clearly they're all idiots besides Vera yeah. the father's depression definitely kicked in mm-hmm. before they lost
1: their money for sure vera describes him as the most beautiful man she has ever seen i'll save my predictions about him for later in this episode though mm. Mm. I was so excited reading that, but also so sad that we were stopping in chapter 20 because I just wanted to keep reading, but
0: I knew I couldn't. That was the whole point. I feel like they picked really good stopping points for you did. each of this episodes. Well done, Megan. Well done. <laughs> Give myself a clap. Yes. Actually, I'll take a sip of wine. We'll take a sip. And then I wonder, people who have read this book already will either appreciate, that's where I stopped, (laughs) or be really mad at me, that's where I stopped. On to the
1: world building section. We get some more info on different fairy territories, the treaty and the war, and are also introduced to new types of fairies. And of course, we will end this section talking about all the magic that we've encountered.
0: My favorite section.
1: Yes, I love that section too. Let's start with the mural of their worlds that Feyre finds in the study. The mural shows a mighty black cauldron held by glowing female hands in a starry night sky with ancient fairy language written on it. The cauldron was poured and pooled to make their world. Feyre is reminded that all of the land used to be theirs at least as far as they believe. The map showed a solitary peak, bald of snow and life, as if the elements refused to touch it. She believed the viewers already knew what this was and that this painting was not made for human eyes. I do believe there is some connection here between this bald peak and the under the mountains portion of the map.
0: Ooh, I love to hear all the predictions of everything (laughs) that you pick up and point out. Thank you, Megan. You're welcome.
1: We are introduced to the Western Woods, where Feyre has to travel to trap the Surreal. The Western Woods was an old ancient forest. There was no path there oaks, elms, and beeches intertwined like she was the first human in 500 years to walk through. It's alive in a way she couldn't describe but she could feel deep in her bones. Lucian explains to Feyre that the surreal has a weakness for groves of young birch trees in the western woods and freshly slaughtered chicken. They are greedy and she can use a double loop snare rigged around the grove to pin their legs in place. She's told to run like hell When she frees it to the nearest running water where they hate crossing.
0: I just can't believe she's like, all right, let's go. Just plans it in seconds. She has no fear. She really doesn't. None. She just has a one-tracked mind. When she has something on it, which is still her family, Mm -hmm. she's like, I'm going to go do it. I don't care what the consequences are. I have my bow and arrow and I have a new knife. Yep. I'll be fine. I'll live. And what? she does
1: think, too, that if anything happens, Lucian is going to save her. So she does have that in her back pocket. But I don't think that's the reason why she actually goes through with it. I think she's just fearless and wants answers and doesn't care how she has to get them.
0: Yeah, for sure. She's going to do whatever she needs to do to get her goal accomplished.
1: Yeah. The cereal has a face that looks like dried bone. Skin that has been forgotten or discarded. Lipless mouth. Two long teeth and blackened gums slit holes for nostrils, eyes that were nothing but milky white. Under the dark robe was a body of bones and veins, older than the High Lords, older than Prithian, older than the bones of the world. This sort
0: of reminds me of Voldemort from Harry Potter, this description. I know. It definitely sounds so terrifying, but when she's talking to him, it doesn't seem all that terrifying. Yeah. He's just like, what do you want to know? You caught me. Let's just get this over with,
1: which kind of sounds like this old guy who's just like over it. He's like, "Whatever, you trap me. What do you want to know so I can get the hell out of here?"
0: <laughs> yeah, And you know how like old people just kind of say whatever they want. Yeah, out of their mouth <laughs> and they just don't give a shit what the consequences are. That is the cereal. Literally, yes, I agree.
1: Feyre asks the cereal a handful of questions that we will discuss later in this episode, but the serial does tell Farah and us readers that Highburn was ruled by a wicked, powerful king. He is law there. Humans no longer exist in that land. The king was unhappy with the treaty and resented that he had to give up his mortal slaves and remain confined to his isle. So he devises a plan to get revenge. A hundred years ago, he set his deadliest warriors, remnants of the ancient armies, as spies, courtiers, and lovers to infiltrate the Haifei courts, kingdoms, and empires. Fifty years ago, they gathered enough Information and he formulated his plan. But one of his commanders disobeyed him, the deceiver. Mm. Before the surreal can tell her any more, they are interrupted by the naga. I do have some predictions about this deceiver, by the way, too, but mm. we'll wait till the end of the episode.
0: Can't wait to write them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The Naga were covered in dark scales made of shadow, hate, and rot. These are some of the fairies that slipped through the wall to torment and kill mortals. They had huge almond-shaped eyes and wanted to eat Feyre. But not before torturing her, of course, by skinning her. Oh, this made my skin jump too.
0: I know. I feel like when we said what were we scared of the most in the last set of chapters, I feel like these topped my list. Yeah.
1: Especially because they were just toying with her. It was like a game they were going to torture her for as long as possible. So it was definitely going to be a slow, agonizing death if it had gotten to that point.
0: Yeah. And they actually got their hands on her, unlike the other fairies that she's had close encounters with. Yeah. Very true. True, very true.
1: Tamlin comes to her rescue, and once they are safe back at the estate, we get some more info into the fairies as a whole. Fairies can actually lie, which Megan has mentioned in her summaries. They lied to the ancient mortals when they said they couldn't so that they would trust them and still be able to do their bidding. She also learns that iron actually does not affect them. Only ashwood can harm them. It was also possible for fairies and mortals to become friends. Mortals and fairies fought side by side in the war 500 years ago for the mortals' freedom, and they mourned when the only solution was to separate their people. Did you think that there was fairies
0: fighting on the side of humans when the war was being talked about before? I
1: kind of assumed there was just because they have magic and mortals don't. There had to be some sort of help from the fairies
0: in the war. Because we know that even a small army is hard to take on one fairy, never mind an entire army of fairies coming to fight. Exactly.
1: So I did have some sort of idea of them becoming some sort of partnership to fight in the war.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Tamlin, Lucian, and Feyre actually have a relaxing, peaceful day for once and Tamlin takes them to a glen. Mm. Favorite describes it as all the colors and lights and patterns of the world had come together to make one perfect place. Full of beautiful and wild flowers and feather-soft grass. It contained a starlight pool. Legend says if you drink the water, you'll be happy until your last breath. Swimming in it felt like being wrapped in warm silk. It was Tamlin's favorite place as a boy.
0: I want to swim in the
1: starlight. I know. I do too. And I want to drink some be happy forever.
0: <laughs> I know. This is where we got one of Faera's jokes when she's yeah. like, even if I drink this whole thing, I don't think I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. This does sound
1: like an amazing place, though. Even the grass being so soft and this the perfect relaxation area.
0: Yeah. I'm sure the spring core is gorgeous. It, yeah. How can it not be with the gardens and all the new growth and yeah. just the light breeze? I don't know. It just sounds so nice. <laughs> It does.
1: Feyre notices a bunch of bonfires being set up. Tamlin tells Feyre about the spring ceremony, the Kalanmai also known as the Fire Night Ceremony, where they light bonfires and create magic to regenerate the land for the year to come. Fairies traveled from all over to witness the ceremony. There were harmonic drums and a ritual known as the Great Rite that a High Lord, a.k.a. Tamlin, had to partake in. Feyre was not invited, and to keep Feyre safe, Tamlin asked her to stay indoors. Of course, she's not going to listen to him, though. I wouldn't stay indoors either. I'm going. (laughs) Suddenly, mid-convo, Tamlin tells Feyre to stay hidden. We are then introduced to another fairy, an Ator, an invisible messenger that came to talk to Tamlin and Lucian about Tamlin's behavior and that it was garnering a lot of interest in the court. Tamlin doesn't seem to care very much and has an attitude back to the Ator. There is a mention of the evil she again and that their fates are
0: in her hands. Mm. i feel like you know it's building and building up there's more mentions of this she we're seeing more of these dark fairies coming into the spring court lands that we're actually encountering and battling not just seeing them from afar and i feel like it's all just building up building up building up and we're almost there. We're,
1: we're almost find there. out. who this she is i can feel it coming soon the more they talk about it the more i think that we're gonna learn i don't sooner.
0: Th- Yeah, I don't think that we see her next episode, but the one after that. Okay, good. We got one more to get through before we know who this bitch is. (laughs) Yes, one more.
1: Finally, we have our magic count to close this section of our episode. In chapter 12... Favorite is eavesdropping on a conversation between Tamlin and Lucian and feels a tang of magic that hits her stomach and the metallic stench hit her nose. She can't see the magic, but she can feel it. I still am curious about what this was, though. I don't think we've ever found out. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So maybe it was this invisible person coming around eavesdropping as well? I don't know.
0: Yeah, something they're trying to keep away from her. I'm not sure what, but that's the only reason why she would feel it. True. In chapter
1: thirteen, Tamlin shows favor the study, and he waves his hand, and a hundred candles sprang to life. That would be so cool to witness
0: in real life. No, for sure. (laughs) Just like, and then it's just all these beautiful candles being lit around the room. That is cool. That would be so cool.
1: In chapter 15, he heals her cuts and bruises after her encounter with the Naga. In chapter 16, we learn that Tamlin has the ability to alter memories and glamorizes her families so that they know she is safe. They think she is visiting a great aunt on her deathbed.
0: Yeah, that's so wild to be able to just alter their memories so that they don't remember a beast bursting down the door and kidnapping her into Perithian, into the fairy lands. I know. It's wild. I guess it's better for them to think that she's with a great aunt and that they don't have to worry about food and eating and money anymore instead of this beast that came and stole her away and now they just happen to have this money and food. I wonder if they would feel guilty if they remembered it that way. I know. I want to say that they should have, but knowing the, them, they
1: probably wouldn't.
0: Maybe the dad.
1: Yeah, maybe the dad, for sure, since he was the only one that tried to stick up for her.
0: Yeah, and that's why the Beast says that he did glamour them, because he was like, your dad was going to come with a group of men into the fairy lands exactly. to try to get you back, and they would die. And she's like, no, he wouldn't have. You don't know my dad. And he's like, yes, Feyre, he would have. Yeah, interesting. not
1: Chapter 18, Feyre picks a rose from the garden and doesn't realize, but the thorns make her bleed. Tamlin kisses Fera's wounds and
0: heals her. So this is a little bit more intimate than the first time that he heals her wounds. Yeah, before he just kind of took away the pain. He didn't like the sight of the bruise on her face. Mm-hmm. But in this instant, he's using his lips. Yeah. To heal her. But also, were you a tiny bit grossed out when he kissed her cheek after? Because she was saying that the blood was all on over his, his lips? lips. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was a little grossed out. Gave me like Vampire Diaries vibes for a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh my God. I don't really like that. but Whatever,
1: she seemed to. (laughs) 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 Lastly, in Chapter 20, Feyre notices that she can't see the faces of the fairies wearing masks, as if she was glamored to not be able to fully see them.
0: Yes, when she goes to fire night and she is arriving at the first bonfire, it's almost like these swirling shapes of colors, and she can see them better out of the corner of her eye, Mm -hmm. but she can't see them when she looks at them full on to discern any distinct features. Do you think this is because Talon knew that she was not going to stay in
1: her room and whatever this ritual is that he has to perform might have turned her off or made her upset?
0: I'm not sure because she can see the other fairies that were going to mess with her and she can also see the beautiful mystery man full on. So it just seems she can't see what seems to be the spring court.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Hmm food for thought something to think about well if she
1: can't see the spring court then maybe she wouldn't be able to see tamlin right because he has a mask
0: maybe but i think she's always been able to see tamlin and lucian and alice i think maybe it's just specific oh people. so you're saying the... like
1: there's other people from the spring court that she can't see
0: well there's hundreds and hundreds of fairies there and yeah i would say that a good amount of them are probably from the spring court right interesting okay Now, let's go back to Chapter 12
1: and start our discussion of the plot, our notable lines, and some foreshadowing. This section of chapters is so juicy, so I'm excited to dive in.
0: Yes. Let's get started. Let's bring it back to Chapter 12, like Amanda said, and really dig in here. Okay. So, like we said before, she has a nightmare at the end of Chapter 11, and it's still kind of lingering into Chapter 12. Yeah. So she gets up out of bed and she's given in to the fact that she's here in the spring court that her family's taking care of. She knows that the lands aren't safe and she still feels this need to find a way to protect herself. Mm-hmm. And so she's making a makeshift map, which is so genius.
1: Yeah, that I is think. so genius.
0: I think so. Especially since she can't read and write beyond basic letters and she's just like marking doorways and different rooms. And she even says she can walk the manor with her eyes closed at this point, which is really impressive.
1: I know, especially for one night of doing this and how vast and huge this estate is described to be. To be able to do it all in one night and know exactly where you're
0: going is pretty cool. I can see it, though, kind of. She just had this awful nightmare. When I have nightmares, I know that I can't fall asleep that easily. And I also want to do things that I will feel better about like protecting myself so maybe this is just a coping mechanism from yeah, her nightmare definitely then we get to see tam-tam in his beast form again which we haven't seen him in his beast form since he brought her into the spring court right and he poofed into his high fae form Yeah, i was like oh welcome back beastity <laughs> nice we, to see you. yeah Nice to see you. You know, we've seen every time he's mad, his claws kind of come out, but we haven't seen him in his full beast form since chapter four, I think. Yeah, I think so. Chapter four or five. Yeah. But he's drained. He's tired. He finally killed the bog. I think days or weeks after trying to get this thing. Yeah. And he's bleeding and he's not healing all that quickly. He notices the map on the table and I wonder if he really knows what it is, but he does call her out in that moment. He's drained and tired, but he's like, you don't know how to read, do you? Yeah. (laughs) This is actually my
1: notable line, so I'll read it word for word. Okay. Page 106. Tamlin says, you can't write, yet you learned how to hunt, how to survive. How? Favor responds, that's what happens when you're responsible for lives other than your own, isn't it? You do what you have to do. Tamlin responds, you weren't what I expected for a human. Mm-hmm. I think he relates to her in this moment and doesn't expect to see similarities between them, but he actually does.
0: Yeah, I think Feyre totally sees the similarities between yeah. them, like way before he does. And yeah. I think, like you said, he realizes it in this moment that they're pretty similar. Yeah. And you do what you have to do. He does that for his lands in the spring court. And that's what she was doing for her family. Exactly. Yeah. So he takes her to the small infirmary inside of the estate, but it's really a supply closet. <laughs> yeah. She's thinking, how are we supposed to heal anybody in here? This is a closet. <laughs> Yeah, which makes sense
1: because most of them are immortal and can heal themselves. So which she also explains
0: to herself in her own mind. But mm-hmm. I just think it's really interesting. It's like this grand estate. And he's like, Yeah, there is yeah. an infirmary. Let's go. And then he opens up the door and I just imagine her face going like this is the closet. <laughs> whatever yeah. you say, Tam Tam, this <laughs> is an infirmary.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, whatever you say.
0: That's what I'm literally picturing, is him opening the door, and it, there's barely a spot for him to, like, sit down in. And she's has to, like, reach around him to grab the supplies <laughs> yeah. that
1: she needs.
0: <laughs> Which she's very adept at doing, and she does take care of his hand and bandages it up. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, a small little moment. Yeah. One of I... many in this stretch of chapters. Yeah, this is, like, their first bonding moment that we've seen so far. Yeah. I have... A notable line on page 106, he killed the bog relatively unscathed. If Tamlin was that powerful, then the high lords of Perithian must be near gods. So it's funny because she obviously doesn't know yet that he's the high lord of this friend court because she hasn't heard a little chit chat with the cereal. Right. But. I mean, even you kind of picked up, I know, when we were talking that he was the High Lord. I think you even slipped up at one point and called him the High Lord. I'm like, well, we don't know that yet, man. Yeah. So it's just so interesting that she has no clue that he's the High Lord of the Spring Court. I know. It is interesting. And it does take her a while, especially
1: because she's so good at pointing out everything else and her survival skills, but not
0: this time. I think Alice even calls him Lord Tamblin, no? I don't know. He definitely
1: calls him her master. But I don't know yeah. if she says Lord. I don't remember exactly, but.
0: I think she definitely does after she sees the cereal, but I don't know if she does before that. Oh, okay. Yeah. The next morning, after their little bonding session in the supply closet, Fero just wants to look at the paintings again. She's just mesmerized by all the paintings that are in this manor house. And as she's going down the hallway, she overhears Lucian and Tamlin arguing. I also have another quote from this chapter as well, where Lucian says on page 107, me... Lucian puts his hand on his chest. By the cauldron, Tam, there isn't much time and you're just sulking and glowering.
1: Not and enough time like, for
0: what, Lucian? I... Tell us. <laughs> tell us when you meet Lucian. And <laughs> he's obviously not going to.
1: Yeah, But Tamlin doesn't
0: care. Tamlin is just depressed, I feel like. After killing the bog, he's still so drained. And he's like, I can't go through with it. Not after what my father did to their kind. Lucian is upset. He's like, The only reason I stuck with you is out of hope, and now you're throwing it all away. The magic is getting worse. Everything's getting worse around here, and you are doing nothing to stop it. Yes, he's going out and killing these creatures that are crossing over into his lands, but he's not doing anything to prevent them from coming over. Yeah. But we don't know what he's supposed to be doing. What does Lucian want him
1: to do? I need to know. Does this have any (laughs) correlation with the... Agreement that we'll obviously talk about later, but that he
0: has made with this evil her character. I feel like that would make sense. Yeah. Because Lucian is clearly needing him to do something. Yeah. And he's not fulfilling whatever he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. And he says that he can't do it
1: to their kind. So is it something that she wants him to do to Feyre? She's the only human.
0: In, I know. <laughs> in the fairy lands right now that I we can't know think of. think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Our poor Pharaoh, Poor Pharaoh. So they catch her eavesdropping on their Sweet. conversation. But obviously she doesn't know what they mean about anything that they're saying. Right. So even though she overhears them, it doesn't really give her any clues to what the situation really is. Yeah. She asks Lucian to go hunting and he's like, maybe another time, kid. Yeah, maybe another time and just <laughs> walks out of the room like the shit stirrer that he is and it's like you can hang out with this guy and i feel like tamlin and both pharaoh looking at each other like Fuck. not <laughs> again want- stuck with them <laughs> stuck together again <laughs> after their bonding session the night before it seems like every time they have a moment of closeness when they start to bond they're like we need to get away from each other after that we can't have another moment too quickly after that. so They're fighting the feelings. They're fighting everything. (laughs) Which is just like them. Yep. Tamlin says, okay, do you want to go hunting? And she's like, no, I don't want to go hunting. I know I just asked Lucian to go hunting, but I don't want to go hunting with you. So she asked to go see the study. He's like, okay, I guess. Do you (laughs) think he's like, didn't you just say you wanted to go hunting, but now you don't want to go hunting with me?
1: Seems a little fishy, but I don't think he picked up on that.
0: I don't think so either. But Varry totally gets away with it. And yeah. he gets her to the study and she's just looking around. That's when he uses the magic, right? To light like yeah. all the candles. And then they're just kind of standing there in silence. Like, okay. so he's like, All right, Here's well, I guess I'll just <laughs> I'll just leave you here to do whatever you were gonna do. And she's like, Thank cool, God, thanks. see ya. Hooping. Bye. <laughs> yeah. So she's really not hanging out with him. She just totally used him to find out where the study was, yeah. even though I feel like she should know where the study was, because didn't she just tell us earlier in this chapter that she could walk the manor with her yeah. eyes Yeah,
1: Yeah. And she doesn't know where the gallery is later either. So Yeah. maybe she's only knows a wing and she doesn't realize that there's more wings that she hasn't
0: discovered yet. That's very true. Yeah. Also... Just to bring it back before they go into the study, Tamlin does try to make some conversation with her, but his form of conversation is calling her out about (laughs) stealing the knife from the dinner table. Yes. Asking her, when do you plan on using that? Should I be worried? And she's like, oh, I didn't know you knew that.
1: Yeah, he says that he could sniff the fear on her. So not even that he saw her take it, he could smell that she was scared and knew something was going Mm. on.
0: Mm -hmm. And she admits to hearing the conversation with Lucian and Tamlin Yeah, they were having, which I feel like was pretty obvious that she heard what they were saying. Yeah. But she does ask about the blight again as they're entering the study, and he goes rigid, which I think is interesting. that he pauses and looks around the hall before he answers her. He was, like, sensing to see if there was anything around. Yeah. Maybe that ator that we see later. He's probably wondering when he's going to come again, yeah. maybe.
1: I'm sure it wasn't their first encounter with him, so.
0: Yeah, or if there is any other spies around that he doesn't yeah. want overhearing what he's saying to Farah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, if there were other spies in that area, I don't think that he wants them to know that even Feyre is in the manor.
1: Yeah. No, I don't think so either, because then why would he have asked her to lock herself in her room when... All the other fairies come for that ceremony instead of just being like, don't leave the estate, but now you have to be locked in your room. He does not want her presence to be known. Nope, not at all. No.
0: So moving on to chapter 13, we are in the study. And Farah wants to write a letter to her family to let them yes. know that she is okay. This is where you've already mentioned she could barely get by with writing her name. Yes. That it was terrible. And then we get the whole spiel on how the mother was neglectful and the sisters refused to teach her. So now she's spending her days teaching herself how to read and write. Of course. And I put a sad face next to this <laughs> in my note just makes me so incredibly sad. I know. So adept at so many things, but has had to teach herself every single thing that she knows. Yeah. By herself.
1: That's crazy. Even though Tamlin does offer to help her or offers to write the letter for her. Or teach her some words or whatever she needs help with.
0: I don't think he tells her that he'll teach her how to write. But he does say that he would just do it for her. Yeah. Which I'm like, maybe you could spend the day helping her how to learn how to read. I don't know. Yeah. She seems to be a quick learner. So yeah, probably only just take a little bit. Jesus, Chandler. <laughs> but she does take a break to go and look at the mural that she finds in the wall. And we don't need to rehash everything you've already got. covered in such detail. We don't have
1: to talk about all the details again of the mural, but she does say that now she learned the layouts of the land and she knows that she should never go north. So she does suspect that there is danger as you move north through Perithian. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll see if she makes her right way north. I know. Well, we're definitely, I think, going under the mountains. So we're getting at least mid Prithian.
0: <laughs> we're at least going a little bit more north than we yeah, are now. Exactly. <laughs> So when she returns to the desk, we learn that the book that she's trying to read is a children's book. And she can't read some of the words in the book, so she's making a list of all the words that she doesn't know. Yeah. And that just broke my heart Yeah, even more when we found out it was a children's book. I Obviously, know. it's sad to know that she can't read or write, but just, like, knowing what she was trying to read was a children's book and yeah. she was writing down words she couldn't sound out. My heart was just breaking this entire chapter. I know, I know. That was sad. So Tamlin startles her by showing back up into the study when she didn't ask for him to be there. Mm -hmm. And he says, like you said, asks her if she wants his help to write to the family. And she doesn't want him to see her as a child, that she is unfinished. So she tells him that she's fine. So that ensues an argument between Tamlin and Farah, And he's mad because she'll hunt with Lucian but won't let him help her. Yeah.
1: She's almost embarrassed and just doesn't want to accept the help. She just automatically thinks it's like a diss to her.
0: Yeah. And... Her time with Lucian, he's never trying to do things for her. He's just kind of there for company. And that's why when she snaps back and says she doesn't really know who Tamlin is or what he wants with her, Lucian doesn't pretend with her, which I think is really interesting. But it's true. Lucian is who Lucian always is to everybody, where Tamlin has different sides to him that he picks and chooses when he's showing them. So she doesn't know how to read him. She doesn't know what to expect with him. Yeah, I agree. And as this argument is going on, just to break our hearts a little bit more, she hears illiterate, insignificant, unremarkable, proud, cold, all heard in Nesta's voice. Yeah. Nesta. Come on, Nesta. It's just adding that. Stab right into yeah. the wound that we already have for Feyre right in this moment. Tamlin tries to take back what he's saying. He's scrambling. He doesn't know how to get out of the mess that he just got himself into. But she leaves the room. She's like, I got to get out of here. This confrontation is over. Yeah. She also says that she
1: wishes someone understood what it was like to bear the weight of caring for others and Mm. what she had become over the last few years. So I think that also is just a little bit heartbreaking to think she does care so much about these people that could give two shits about her.
0: Yeah. Now she's kind of regretting that she helped him with his hands because she really thought he would understand her and how she had to take care of her family and that they were similar and that he should understand that she doesn't need his help in this moment in that way and so she's kind of disappointed i think with how he's not understanding who she is when she feels that they're so similar yeah i agree also her list of words that were in the trash that she wrote out are gone yeah
1: dun 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 (laughs) who took them she thinks it's just the maids cleaning up after her but
0: Hmm. So she sets off to find Lucian, and she gets him to tell her how to catch the cereal. So she needs to go by a grove with the slaughtered chicken and set her trap. Lucian was very annoyed because Tamlin came in to yell at him after his fight with Feyre, which is so unfair. Lucian didn't do anything wrong. He's just keeping her occupied in the spring court for Tamlin, and now Tam-Tam's
1: all mad about it. Yeah, he's probably frustrated just because he's tried so hard to make her feel welcome and comfortable and she just disses him every single time. It is like,
0: no, but where's Lucien? Chapter 14, Feyre is on her way to go catch the cereal, which just, I don't know, I was so excited for this part to happen in the book. I was excited, too, but nervous because I was like, mm. what is going to happen? What is the cereal going to say? No one stops her as she's leaving the manor and entering the woods. The grounds were empty. But she would catch something shiny in the corner of her eye every once in a while. Hmm. It doesn't really say what it is, but I wonder if we'll find out soon. Yeah. So, like you said before, as she's entering these woods, they felt old, ancient, and alive. And she couldn't quite put her finger on it, but her body felt it. Yeah. On her way to go catch the cereal, she's having some thoughts about how Tamlin has to answer to the High Lord of the Spring Court. She wonders if it's the High Lord's consort was the one that took Lucian's eye, Mm -hmm. which is so interesting. Yeah. She sets her trap in the grove of the trees and then she's hiding out up in a tree waiting for the cereal to come. She has the slaughtered chicken there that she presented so sneakily. She says she laid it out so it looks like the chicken just broke its own neck.
1: I want to add too that she actually does do a few loops around that area before she sets the trap so that she knows the area and knows multiple ways to get out if Mm -hmm. needed. So she's super smart in this scene as well which makes me feel a little bit better about her encountering the cereal. but
0: Yeah, she definitely has a getaway plan. She has multiple routes to escape back to the manor. She makes sure that she's near the running water that Lucian said she would need because the cereal does not like running water and wouldn't want to cross it. So she has all her boxes checked on how to catch the cereal and then how to get away without herself being killed. Definitely. So all of a sudden, she's eating her block of cheese. To stay quiet in the tree. She has a little canteen of water, and she's basically in a stakeout right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's a ripple of silence that comes in. And then we hear the snap of the snare, and the cereal starts yelling. She caught him. First try. No issues, this girl. She kills a fairy wolf on the first try with her ash arrow. And now she catches the cereal in her first try. She's yep. impressive, this Feyre. I know she really is. So we get the terrifying description, which you already gave of the cereal, which I will probably have nightmares about. <laughs> and then they say that they have not seen a human girl in quite some time. So I mm-hmm. feel like the cereals also very intrigued yeah. about who she is and why she set this trap for them. Definitely. She lies about who told her about how to catch the cereal. And he calls her out on it.
1: Yeah. Liar. (laughs) You're lying.
0: He's like, it was not your mother. (laughs) Yeah, it was not your mother who told you about this. (laughs) They said she must want information very badly if she set this trap. Yeah. The cereal says, okay, you did it. You caught me. Now ask me your questions. I'm like, let's get this over with. Yeah. So she asked if there is a way if she can get back to her family. And they say, not unless you seek to be killed and your family with you, you must remain here. The serial spills that Tam Tam is the high lord of the spring court. Booyah. That, I was right. <laughs> you, were, you were right. <laughs> the high lords are not just powerful. They are power. Yeah. Which is an interesting detail that the serial gives. The Surreal states they are not a member of any court. They are older than the bones of the world, which you've kind of already mentioned earlier. The Surreal tells her, stay with the High Lord and you will live and see the world righted. Yes,
1: that's actually my notable line, so I'll read it for us. Page 129. Stay with the High Lord, human. That's all you can do. You will be safe. Do not interfere. Do not go looking for answers after today, or you will be devoured by the shadow of Prithian. He will shield you from it, so stay close to him, and it will be righted. Let's see if she actually will listen this time, because I doubt it. (laughs) How did you feel about that information when the serial gave it to her? I kind of knew she was already stuck there, so that was no surprise to me. I didn't think he was going to tell her about a loophole or anything. But Mm -hmm. I see this as some foreshadowing that he's telling her to stay with Tamlin. And I feel like no matter how much they try to hold her down and keep her safe, she's just going to keep putting herself in this danger. She can take care of herself. Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't (laughs) think she needs any protection from anybody. So she's just going to keep doing what she wants. And if she lands into some danger, then she'll get herself
0: out of it. Yeah. Yep. She's an unfazed queen. Yes. I keep calling her because she really (laughs) is. (laughs) Yes. They also tell her about Highburn, and you mentioned all of this, that Highburn was not happy with the treaty giving up his mortals, that we have this deceiver that did not listen to his commands. So I wonder how Highburn is feeling about this deceiver and if Highburn has any plans to destroy whoever this deceiver is.
1: Yeah, especially because it was 50 years ago by this point. So he's been plotting for quite some time. He's making sure all his ducks are in a row. Yeah, (laughs)
0: for sure. Who do you think the deceiver is?
1: I have some theories for sure. I'll save them for the prediction area just because, you know, stay organized.
0: I will not lead you off the path of organization. (laughs) (laughs) They are spilling some we've gotten that Tamlin is the high lord we learn about Highburn we learn about this deceiver and we're about to learn more about that when the Naga show up of course which is such a buzzkill the serial says please free me from this trap and then I want you to run as fast as you can back to the manor but before she can do any of that they are surrounded yeah so I think it's interesting that the serial would care so much about her Yes, I can see them wanting to be freed from the trap so that they can get away, but also has the concern of, I need you to run back to the manor. Yeah, that is interesting. Even though the serial is trapped, they are kind of having a very pleasant conversation. Almost between two new friends. I know. (laughs) He's trapped. She kind of like
1: warms up to him.
0: Yeah, I think they warm up to each other during this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe because they haven't seen a human girl in such a long time that they find her so intriguing especially since she set the trap and caught them on the first try yeah
1: it's kind of like how Tamlins didn't expect her to be as a human so i feel like the surreal might kind of feel the same way here
0: yeah i feel like each encounter she has with a new character in this book She exceeds their expectations of who she is supposed to be as this frail human girl. Yeah, they're pleasantly surprised when they actually get to know her. (laughs) Yeah, and they warm up to her pretty quickly. Yeah. Even this surreal. Exactly.
1: But not the Naga.
0: No, not the Naga. The Naga want to rip her to shreds. Yeah. And they're excited because they get to go after the cereal, too. They think they're going to have two meals and one, which I think it's interesting that they would want to go after the cereal. Yeah, I know. I guess nobody is safe in Prithian. Everybody is prey prey everybody is predator. Exactly. You're both at the same time. Yeah. Chapter 15. Here we go. So Feyre screams at the top of her lungs, hoping that Lucian kept his word and is nearby. Mm -hmm. He said, I will be near the area. If you need me, scream and I will come and help you. But she doesn't really have the seconds to wait to see if Lucian is keeping his word. Right. So she's looking around. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And the cereal's like, human girl, free me! And she does. She uses her first arrow to free the cereal from the trap, and they're gone super fast. Not gonna help her, but yeah, it's fine.
1: <laughs> they're oh. not as friendly as we thought they were. If he's just gonna take off as soon as he's freed, but.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think they're still a fairy and selfish in their own ways. Exactly. I only care about myself. And I told you to run and that's the best that I can give you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Serial strong enough to fight the Naga to even save Farah. So yeah. I think the Serial knows that her best bet is just to run at this point and hope yeah. that Tamlin or someone comes to save her. Right. Her second shot is to one of the four Naga and she knocks one of them down, but she does not stick around to see if the shot is a killing blow and she starts running and she is deeper into this forest than she originally thought she was. And just her listing what she was going to have to run up and around and whatever to get back to the manor. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds exhausting. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And sort of discouraging almost, too. Is she actually going to get caught and captured by them? Because she's got a long way to go and who knows if she's going to make it there or not. Exactly.
0: They do catch up to her. Mm -hmm. She's doing her best, but they catch up. And she takes another one of the Naga out and now she just has two. And she's like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. I am not going to die without doing anything. Mm -hmm. And she kills the second one with her knife. So that she had in her boot. Thank God she grabbed that other knife. Because I don't think it's the one Lucian gave her. I think it's the one she took from the kitchen. But I could be wrong. I didn't pick up on which one it was either. But the other two break her bow and they get her back down onto the ground. And that's when we hear a... (laughs) her and Tam Tam's coming in to save the day yes save Feyre's life again (laughs) so he comes in and then he rips the other two to shreds, and it just sounded bloody do not want to see that scene after Tamlin got done
1: with the two of them no and I think that Feyre kind of gets a little taken aback by how he slaughters them so easily She's not frightened, but she's
0: like, whoa. Yeah. She definitely takes note of the power that he has to be able to slaughter these two remaining Naga. Yeah. She can taste magic again when Tamlin comes back down. And that's when we know that he is healing some of her injuries. Yep. And he gives her his tunic because hers was ripped to shreds. And just giving her that dignity, he gives her the shirt off his back. Yep. Oh, Tammy. He then asks her after she puts on his tunic, do I want to know why you were out here? And she's like, nope, I didn't know I couldn't leave the manor or the gardens. And I didn't realize how far I wandered. I didn't know I was a prisoner to your estate. I thought you said that I could go anywhere in Perithian, remember? (laughs) And then he says when he's off dealing with trouble, if she cannot wander too far, that he would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) Yeah, that wouldn't be great if you weren't so far, because I have to continuously save your life these past couple of weeks. Yeah. If you couldn't be too far from where I am, that would be (laughs) ideal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He also explains
1: to her that he was tracking a pack Mm. of these Naga and four escaped. So he thinks that they must have followed her scent into the woods. Then she thanks
0: him for saving her life.
1: Yes, this is actually my notable line, so I will read it for us. Page 137. Thank you, not just for this, but for saving my life. I wanted to tell him how much that meant that the high lord of the spring court thought I was worth saving. But I couldn't find the words that pulled at my heartstrings. Like she finally feels worthy of being saved, of being cared for in this moment, but yeah. still doesn't have the words to say it yet. But at least she's realizing more and more that she is worthy.
0: And if anything ever had happened to her back home, nobody would have heard her scream. No. Nobody would have come to help her. So she's no. not used to someone coming to her rescue when she was literally on her deathbed. They were about yes. to eat her alive. And especially being a
1: High Lord, he's so important and he's so significant. I think that to her means a lot, too, that he's so powerful and still finds her worthy.
0: I know. Yeah, because now she knows he's the High Lord. Before yeah. she just thought he was powerful. But now exactly. that she knows, she's almost taken back because she yeah. keeps mentioning it throughout the rest of the chapters. Like, he's the High Lord for the Spring Core. <laughs> yeah. Tam Tim says, let's go home, but... Favorite doesn't respond. She doesn't feel like the manor is her home or if she has a home at all anymore. Figure just pulling out her heartstrings. In these know. chapters. <laughs> they walk back in silence, and she's thinking about what the serial told her and the history lesson she was getting before the Naga came. She would warn her family with what she had and not look any further, like the serial told her to, and to stay with the High Lord. Seems easy enough, but I don't know. The <laughs> Figure doesn't like to do things the easy way. No, she doesn't. She says she's going but then she <laughs> never seems to do things the easy way. <laughs> Moving on to chapter 16 she gets back to the manor and she takes a nice long hot bath after the incident with the naga but before she did any of that alice made her drink some molten chocolate i just Mm. think that's like what nice hot glass of hot cocoa yeah i'm (laughs) guessing
1: the best thing that she's ever tasted so it's got to be some good hot chocolate
0: and Alice, always the caretaker, making sure that Feyre is having a little something to get her warm before she gets into the bath. When Alice is brushing her hair, she tries to ask Alice about Highburn, but she shuts her down immediately, calling Feyre foolish. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know what you did. Yeah. I knew that you were going to go find the cereal. Did you think the kitchen staff wasn't going to tell me that you asked for a chicken? Yeah. Gotcha. And then she's
1: even like annoyed that she went to Lucian and not her for some advice.
0: Yeah. She's like, all you would have needed is a cloak. Yeah. And the cereal would have told you anything you wanted. Yep. Instead of you brought a chicken. (laughs) Next time you want to be foolish, you come to me and not Lucian. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure Alice would lock her up. She would have no qualms about just locking her in the room and throwing away the key because Feyre is being dumb.
1: Yeah, I know. But that's probably also why she went to Lucian. She probably figured Alice was not going to tell her. She wants her to stay safe and she wants her to stay in the manor and she's going to abide by Tamlin's rules no matter what. And Lucian, like you said earlier, is face value. You get what you mm. get. And he didn't want her to go see this...
0: Serial, but he also wasn't going to
1: stop her either.
0: Yeah, she knows who she can get away with stuff yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. The number one is Lucian, <laughs> then Mimi Alice, and then Tamplin's at the yeah. bottom of the list. <laughs> He's the last one, she asks. Yeah. Literally. So then Feyre and Alice have that conversation about her family, which we don't really need to rehash again. That brings us to Feyre going down to dinner after resting up in her room. And Lucian compliments her. He's like, you look good after the incident with the Naga. (laughs) Yeah. And then she's like, I thought fairies couldn't lie, Lucian. And then Tamlin chokes on his line, which is just hilarious. You just can picture them all just sitting at the table and her just messing with Lucian. Like, Lucian, I thought fairies couldn't lie. And Tamlin's yeah. like, who told you that? She just explains that that's
1: just a truth that we know. Yeah. Tam does tell her that they never willingly lied to her, though, and they never used misinformation against her. So they can lie, but have they willingly to Feyre at this point? We can assume. No. No.
0: Yeah, I think that all the conversations that they have are just really basic. And yeah, they like know you. leave out
1: information, but... They don't lie about it. Yeah. They've yeah. never
0: told her a mistruth, but they're definitely keeping things from her. Yeah, exactly. Which Lucian? is exactly what Lucian
1: did in that moment. It wasn't a complete lie because she did catch the cereal that
0: way, but was there an easier way? <laughs> yes. He's just like, let me see if I can get away with telling her to go get this slaughtered chicken from the kitchen. Yeah. He's probably like laughing about it with the kitchen staff after I she know. grabbed it. Yeah. We need a retelling of this story from Lucian's point of view. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> that would be amazing. Then- I just was cracking up and I put this in my notes when Tamlin is leaning on his fist on the table and he's like, how are you feeling, favorite? Are you feeling better? Dead. And then he pulls out her list of words that she couldn't pronounce and she gets embarrassed mm-hmm. and he goes, is this poem that you're going to be putting together about murdering me and burning my body?
1: Yeah. First of all, how does he get there from words from a children's book? That concerns me. <laughs>
0: I know, but the words that were on the list from this children's book are kind of concerning.
1: I know. Why is this in a children's book?
0: What are they teaching these fairy children?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess a fairy child really could be up to 75 years old. So they might have Mm. a little bit more brain capacity than humans as children. Makes a little bit more sense, but yeah. So I was like, this is
0: a weird list of words from a children's book. (laughs) Yeah. So Feyre doesn't want to hear it. She does not want to talk about her list of words. She tries to leave the room, but he follows her. She walks right into his body. That's how quick he is and is forcing another confrontation with her that (laughs) she does not want to be having. Tamlin calls her family fools that she took care of them because she loves them, not because of her vow to her mother Mm -hmm.
1: so this is actually my notable line for chapter 16 page 143 and it says i wonder if your family realizes it that everything you've done wasn't about the promise to your mother or for your sake, but for theirs. I think it's totally truthful. Mm-hmm. She kind of uses the vow as an excuse because they're yeah. so horrible to her. She shouldn't care about them, but she still does everything for their sake. Yeah, she even loves them. Even if it means putting herself in danger yeah. over and over again.
0: Yeah. yeah. He lightly grabs her arm and almost brushes his hand down her cheek. And he says, Do you even know how to laugh? Mm. I'm like, I don't know. What is he trying to accomplish? In this scene. I'm yes. not really sure, but he's just pissing the favor off. I know.
1: I feel like he's trying to get her to like lighten up a little and like realize that what she feels is okay and she doesn't mm-hmm. have to be masking it with something else or so serious all the time. But I don't yeah. think it comes off that way.
0: No, I don't think he's saying it right. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Lucian did say in the last set of chapters that he is hopeless and hasn't an- spoken to a female in quite some time. Yeah. So <laughs> I think he's just very rusty on how to to Yeah, definitely. She doesn't want his pity at all. And he assures her that he's not insulting her and he wants to be friends. We then learned that the fairies fought on the human side, which Amanda went into detail about before how Tamlin was a child during the war. But he would have fought with the humans. Mm. And she realizes then that what Tamlin was saying was true. That she does love them and that her family is her weakness because she would have chosen the winning side no matter what it was to take care of them. Yeah. Tamlin then tells her that he glamored their memories that they have no recollection of the beast, that the wealthy aunt came and asked for favor to take care of her. They were warned vaguely about the blight and to run if anything seemed amiss with the wall. So Tamlin has really covered all her concerns and all of the bases. Yes. Which I'm just not quite sure why he didn't just give all this information to favor in the first place. I know. And I, she's been fretting about this since she's been there and learned about this blight and he could have just said your family's glamored and they know that if anything goes amiss with the wall that they're going to run and get to safety especially because
1: they have the encounter with the puka because of her family and now she wants to write this letter to them Uh, everything comes back to the family and you still don't tell her that you glamorize their memories come on buddy
0: (laughs) i'm not sure what exactly he was waiting for except maybe he's finally realizing that this girl is very stubborn and she's yeah. going to keep trying to get in touch with her family. And maybe this is his just last Hail Mary. Yeah. that she finally gives in, which we thought happened at the end of chapter 11 when he I basically know. shook her and was like, your vow is not broken. Now he has to do it again saying, they're glamored. They're fine. Yeah. They think maybe that he they don't even know you're here. Yeah. Maybe
1: he thought, too, she just would not believe him no matter what. Mm. So even if he did tell her back in chapter four or five when they finally get to the estate, I don't know, maybe he just thought he had to wait and build some trust with her first to be able to tell her these things.
0: Yeah, because he didn't know that she thought everything that they were saying was the truth because she thought that they couldn't lie. He yeah. just found out that she thought fairies couldn't lie just a few moments ago. Right, yeah. Oh, maybe I could have told her this before and she just would have believed me because she thought I couldn't lie to her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, again, this is when he says, I did this because I thought your father would come to look for you with men over the wall and they would have been killed. Feyre doesn't believe that her father would have done something like that. And Tamlin says, yes, he would have. Yeah. Now she's feeling again like her life has no purpose and that her family has been warned and her vow is fulfilled. They would forget her sooner than expected now that they've been glamoured. And I put another sad face I next know. to my no in this. Like, that's not what she wants. Yeah. Fira is putting me in the feels in these chapters. I know.
1: Something good's got to happen to her soon.
0: Yeah. So then she's thinking, what do I want? And so she tells him kind of like abruptly, I want to paint. And so he says he'll get her the supplies and she can paint anywhere she wants. The house is too clean as it is. She says she'll work in the kitchens to help pay for the supplies and he's like no you'll be more of a hindrance than anything and i'll get you the supplies you don't need to worry about anything yeah (laughs) but but she's so used to having to do something in order to get what she wants to do right she still needs to be rewarded i
1: guess for doing something for herself
0: he also tells her that there's a gallery in the manor, and that he would have it cleaned up and show it to her the next day once it's cleaned. His cheeks pinken when she agrees to go with him to the gallery, and she walks away before she could smile. This is actually,
1: I have as a foreshadowing line, page 147. He smiled at me broadly and without restraint. Isaac had never smiled at me like that. He had never made my breath catch, just a little bit.
0: There's something in the air. Feelings
1: for sure about Tamlin in this moment.
0: There's something growing. Yes. We are having another nightmare. Our girl cannot catch a break. And like I said in my summaries, it's about the cereal's clicking fingers, the grinning naga, and a faceless pale woman with blood red nails slicing up her throat. That is terrifying. I know. Does she think this is the evil she character? She kind of concocting in her head? Yeah, maybe it's subconsciously because she keeps hearing about this. She is her and all these bad things. And now she's having nightmares about all the bad things that have now happened to her while yeah. she's been in the spring court. Wild. But when she wakes up from her nightmare, yeah. she hears shouts and screaming and she races for the stairs where she sees Tam carrying a blue fae into the manor. He was the one that was screaming and Tamlin is the one that's shouting for Lucian to clear the table in the hallway. We learned that this fairy was dumped over the borders into the spring court and that this fairy was from the summer court. Tamlin warns Lucian with his eyes that Favor was nearby and not to say anything. They clearly know more about why this fairy was being dumped into their lands. Yeah. But Tamlin does not want Lucian opening his mouth, which he does often. (laughs) and And giving anything to Feyre. The blue fairy keep shouting, she took my wings, she took my wings. Again, in my feels, I was so sad reading this. He was obviously
1: traumatized. I think that she wrote that line, she took my wings at least 10 times in this chapter. The only thing he said or could say even to Feyre was she took my wings,
0: she took my wings. I know. He's so definitely sad. in shock. He's bleeding out. Tamlin is trying to help this blue fairy. He magics in the supplies, which is quite interesting because he could have just done that the night Feyre helped him, but now he's like, let's go in the supply closet. Yeah. Together.
1: <laughs> let's get you alone.
0: Yeah. The supply closet was not big enough to bring this fairy in. And right. so He has the fairy on the table, onto the stomach, face down. Feyre goes over and holds the fairy down to help Tamlin out to try Mm -hmm. and save this fairy's life. Tamlin is calling for Lucian. Lucian cannot handle this situation and keeps backing up, throws up in a potted plant, and then flees the room completely. He cannot handle the sight that he's seeing. Is it just the sight that he's
1: seeing or what happened? Because like you said, they know more about why this fairy has gotten his wings ripped off and dumped in the spring court. So maybe he's just thinking, oh, my God, we're next. She's going to get us and not really sick over the fairy dying, but maybe more of what could happen to them after this.
0: True. And I think he also is traumatized from his past, which we'll learn about in the next chapter, but you've already kind of mentioned how his brothers have held him down while he watched the love of his life being executed in front of him. So I think seeing another fairy in front of him who has been so brutally injured by this her, I don't think he can handle it. He could be thinking back to when his love was being murdered in front of him. Yeah, that makes sense. The wounds were not clotting. Feyre is holding him down while Tamlin attempts to work on him. And Tamlin says, He's not going to survive. And I think
1: Feyre also realizes this too Mm. to herself. She doesn't say it out loud, but she knows in this moment he's not going to survive.
0: Yeah. I think she mentioned something about death or she could feel death and now she knows death is actually here. Yeah. So Feyre holds his hand while this fairy is dying and Tamlin takes the other while he passes away. And that's my notable line for this chapter is the prayer. Oh, mine too, actually. That Tamlin does. Okay, you can say it okay (laughs) so it's on page
1: 152 and it says cauldron save you mother hold you pass through the gates and smell the immortal land of milk and honey fear no evil fear no pain go and enter eternity I think this kind of relates back to the mural and how they're Mm. saying glowing female hands are holding the cauldron. So this is like the mother hold you, the mother who created the lands sort of thing. Mm. And to say that the immortal land is of milk and honey reminded me of the starlight pool and how she was
0: saying it was like warm silk. Mm -hmm. Fever tells him, you'll get your wings back. And she's hoping that he gets his wings in the afterlife. I know. Fever holds his hands for a while After the fairy passes, the blood on her feet going cold and she is shivering now because of how cold she is. Mm -hmm. Tamlin kind of has to shake her out of this trance that she's in while holding this fairy's hand while he passes. Tamlin gets her to go back up to the stairs in the manor and then he's like, why did you do this? Yeah. You can barely tolerate the fae on a good day. And she says another thing that makes my heart break. She said she wouldn't want to be alone when she died and being that someone would hold her hand for a while after she was gone. I won't lie. I started crying a little Aww. bit when I read I that part. I've been a little emotional this week. <laughs> I have my period, and I'm a little, little extra sensitive. But that just made me so sad because I, I would want the same thing. I would want someone to hold my hand for yeah. a while after I was feel gone. alone.
1: Especially because dying—that's what you think you're going to be alone forever. So yeah. just knowing she was trying to just be there for this stranger, she would do it for anybody. Clearly, if she's never even knew this fairy,
0: yeah. And and she regrets and she is sorry for what she did to andrus
1: yeah and she tells tamlin
0: this too Mm -hmm.
1: Instead of just saying it to herself like she's done before.
0: Yeah, she does. And she wants to say more to him if she's going to keep living in this manner with them. She wants to explain how sorry she is and that she does regret it. Tamlin is insistent on burying this blue fairy alone and he doesn't look back as he's carrying the fairy into the woods. He just feels so much weight on his shoulders. Which
1: I think Favor relates to because she even says if she was in this situation, she would want to do it alone too. So Yeah, exactly. I think that's why she doesn't fight him on going with him. She just lets him go.
0: Yeah. Where I feel like typically she would be more insistent. But yeah. In this moment, she knows there's nothing she can say or do. Or, or even let him go and then follow after or something. But
1: she doesn't even go there. No, she doesn't.
0: <laughs> she doesn't even try. Yeah. In
1: this moment.
0: Yeah. Anything you would like to add before we move into chapter 18? I think you've covered it all. Just a couple more chapters to go. So the next day, Pharaoh sees Lucian and Tamlin talking about patrol, but they stop. Once they see her, Lucian just waves, but doesn't say good morning. She notices three horses ready to go outside and Tamlin tells her that they're going to go for a ride. I was very excited about this chapter because it's a nice break in all I this know. tragedy and gore that we've had yeah. in the last set of chapters. Although I have to admit, once I found out it was going to be all three of
1: them going, I was like, boo. <laughs> I wanted a romantic scene here, but we still kind of get it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't think Tamlin feels all that comfortable going alone with Feyre yet. And I yeah. think that he knows that Feyre also probably wouldn't be comfortable going alone with him yet. So Lucian has Throw. to be the third wheel. Yeah, he
1: probably is like, well, if I ask her, she's going to say no. But if I say me and Lucian are going, then she'll probably say yes.
0: Yes, because yeah. we know that she feels more comfortable with Lucian yeah, at this point. Lucian. Yeah, So Lucian has to be the buffer. <laughs> He's probably so thrilled about that. The wingman. Yeah. So Tim sets up a blanket for her, but she wants to sit in the grass, and Lucian makes him go sit with her. They have that kind of silent, not so silent conversation. He's like, Get your ass over there and go sit next to her. You got to give it to me. He is being a good wingman. So thank God. Yeah. Lucian is the (laughs) best wingman. Without Lucian, this story would be nowhere at this point. Literally. They'd still be staring at each other, not talking. (laughs) So once Tamlin sits down next to her, he's like, oh, do you like it here? And Veira kind of gets lost in Tamlin for a second when she's just looking at him. Yeah. The point where she's like, what did you say? He's like. Do you like it here? And she's like, do I have to grovel with gratitude, <laughs> High Lord? And then he's like, oh, the cereal told you nothing important, did he? Yeah. <laughs> so Tamlin knows that, Paira knows that he is the High Lord of the Spring Court. Yeah. Mayor makes a joke about him liking to be brushed and if she's a clever girl, she could train him with treats, which makes <laughs> Lucian and Tamlin die of laughter. They're like, did yeah. you
1: just make a joke? Which I think is even funnier because she's been so serious and so cutthroat almost in everything mm-hmm. that she says and does and now she's feeling good. She's in a good mood. They're in a happy place that is beautiful and relaxing and now she mm-hmm. feels more comfortable and can even crack a joke.
0: But I just love that. Yeah, the Sarah told me, like, To be brushed. And if I was a (laughs) clever girl, I could train you with treats. Too funny. She's like, Come here, beastie. Yeah. (laughs) After that, Tamlin wants to take her on a walk to show her something. The something ends up being the pool of starlight. He starts to get undressed to go in, but she tells him, Nope, I don't want to do that. Yeah.
1: She's like, I'll stay right here and watch you.
0: Then we get the tragic story about Lucian and where he comes from, which we already talked about in detail. And my heart, I just can't handle. I know. Another description of poor Lucy baby. So we'll move on. She then changes the subject back and she cracks her second joke. That's when she says if she drank all the starlight in that pool, she doesn't think she would have eternal happiness. Yeah. So two jokes in one day. Tam Tam is shocked. <laughs> maybe it's a turning point for them. Yeah. She's
1: finally feeling more comfortable around him can crack a joke or two and it's not just Lucian that she's comfortable with now.
0: Yeah because just a few maybe the chapter before he's like do you ever laugh and now yeah. she's cracking jokes.
1: I know maybe she has that in the back of her mind like I am funny. I can have fun too.
0: Yeah she's feeling a little bit more confident in her place in the yeah. spring court and around Tamlin.
1: Yeah also because too she felt worthy of his protection in the chapter which she hasn't felt worthy from anyone really even her family so maybe that also gave her a little bit more comfort and able to loosen up a little bit
0: yeah and they keep having these small bonding moments because even though the night before with the blue fairy dying was tragic that is something that they did together and were there for each other in that yeah. moment. Definitely. So he asks her what would make her happy, but she isn't quite sure how to answer that. And Tamlin teases her. She decides she doesn't want to be embarrassed anymore. So she strips down to her undergarments and watches how Tamlin looks her up and down. His eyes are hungry with a feral look to them as she undresses. She doesn't wait for him to enter the water. He also learns that she taught herself to swim at 12 and that she said it was a learning curve. She just went in one day and she drank a lot of pond water or whatever it was, but she figured it out. She felt like that would be a useful skill that she needed to have. So yeah. like Vera does, she teaches herself and she succeeds. Yep, that's then, our girl. That is our girl. Yep. <laughs> then we learn about the Prince of Merchants. Tamlin knew that she was born wealthy because the dictation that she has and that peasants don't typically speak the way that she does, which favorite does take offense to, but she realizes, oh, but he's right.
1: <laughs> yeah. She takes offense to everything he says, even if he doesn't mean it to be offensive. So I could see that.
0: Exactly. So yeah. then we get into how the father lost their fortune that she started hunting at 14 after the money ran out. And that was kind of their swimming session. They got to yeah. just know each other. He got to know her a little bit better of what she's gone through and everything she's done to succeed in this life yeah on their way back she keeps looking at lucian now that she knows his tragic story she's having a very hard time not looking at him in a different way yeah Finally, Lucian notices and falls back into line with run to ride with her and not Tamlin. And Tamlin just keeps going, which I'm kind of surprised about because he always wants to be in control of a situation and know what's yeah. going on. But he does let them have a little moment together, which he doesn't really know that they need because he know. doesn't know that Lucian told her about the surreal. I know. Maybe he just thinks that she wants to
1: express her understanding to him now that he's explained his background to her. But it's true that he does doesn't know that Lucian told her about the cereal, obviously, yeah. because he would be pissed. But yeah,
0: Pharaoh waits until he's far enough away on the horse to even say anything to Lucian about the cereal, yeah. saying, if you wanted to have me dead, Lucian, you're going to have to try harder than that. Yeah. So Lucian winces when she says that. And he does admit, though, he wouldn't cry if she died, but that yeah. was not his intention, which I was kind of bummed to hear because you think that there are I know. Building this friendship through their time in hunting. And Lucian is still kind of indifferent towards her, saying that I wouldn't cry if you died. I even was upset when he said that he
1: hesitated. You douchebag. What the hell, Lucian? We were just saying we love you and now you're making me hate you in this moment. Just in this moment, though, but. Yeah.
0: He is shocked that she took her first shot to save the cereal's yeah. life and not her own. He stated most fairies in Haifei wouldn't have done what she did. Yeah. And that's when he tells her that he broke his word, that he yeah. hesitated. Just for a few seconds, but it was a few seconds that he waited to go right. into the woods. Yeah, Which I guess makes up for, like, it's not like he didn't go at all. Right. Yeah. But Tamlin had gotten there in time. Exactly.
1: And he probably couldn't go knowing Tamlin was already there because then he would be like, how did
0: you know that she was here kind of thing? Why would you be so close by to see if you could hear her screaming? Yeah. So to try to make up for what he did, he gives the jeweled knife and tells her... Not to put the knife in his back.
1: Yes. So this is actually my notable line, too. Right before he gives her the knife, he says to her, you can't forgive me that fast or something. And Mm -hmm. then my notable line is page 165 where Feyre says, part of me would like nothing more than to wallop you for your lack of warning about the surreal. But I understand. I am a human who killed your friend who now lives in your house and you have to deal with me. I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, I think she doesn't reveal that she knows his past, but I think what she's trying to say in this section is, yes, I understand you are the way you are because of your past. And what I did to Andres definitely affected you as well. And you probably are having a hard time trusting me. So, even though you gave me the information I wanted... I can't be mad at you for hesitating.
0: Yeah. I wonder if Tamlin had never told her that story about Lucian's past, if she would have been as forgiving as she is in this moment. I don't think so. Honestly. Yeah. Maybe she would have actually given him that wallop. Or I definitely think she would have been less kind. Yeah. She would have definitely given him more
1: shit. She probably still would have forgave him because that's just who she is as a person. She will care about anybody, even a stranger like we just witnessed with the Blue Fairy. But Mm -hmm. I think she definitely would have gave him a little bit more shit if she didn't learn about his brutal past.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Chapter 19 was a long one. So (laughs) much happens. I know. In this chapter. So true. I feel like it could have been broken up maybe into a little (laughs) bit more. (laughs) Yeah. But here we are. So Tamlin finally brings her to the gallery before she goes off to paint with her new supplies that just came in. She starts crying when she sees the gallery with all the paintings that she can understand. She can read the emotions and the shapes in these paintings. And it's just a very emotional moment for her. Yeah. Tamlin makes an off comment like, I never knew humans could what, enjoy paintings, react to them in a certain way? (laughs) Yeah. They have art. Just think it was a weird comment, but it almost would have been like if he made a comment about how Feyre was reacting to the painting, not, I never knew humans could.
1: Yeah. He says to, which is my notable line for a little bit later in this chapter, which we can just cover now because I feel like it relates, but Feyre asks him, why do any of this for her? And Tamlin responds, because your human joy fascinates me. The way you experience things in your lifespan so wildly and deeply and all at once is entrancing. I'm drawn to it, even when I know I shouldn't be, even when I try not to be. So I feel like he just appreciates even the slightest human emotion mm. because it's obviously different for someone who's immortal and who's going to see something for hundreds and thousands of years, depending on how long they're alive, I guess, because you can die as a fairy. But I just yeah. think that kind of relates a little bit. He's just so happy to see her joyful in this moment.
0: Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll get it to him. <laughs> Tamlin leaves her in the gallery to enjoy and continue looking at all the paintings in there and she stays there until she gets hungry and goes down to eat lunch. Mm -hmm. Alice shows her the room with all her painting supplies, but painting did not help when Tamlin was gone for long stretches of time. He would return covered in blood that was not his, and he would never tell her about it, but his safe return was enough for her. Yeah,
1: she's definitely starting to care about him more than I know, well, she's even
0: giving up, like, who she is. Before, she would be so curious and say, where were you? What are you doing? And now she's just not asking any questions. She's like, okay, well, he's back and safe, and that's all. that matters. Yeah. That sounds like when you have a crush and they can
1: do no wrong and you're just like,
0: yeah, but he's Tamlin and he's, he's the good. high lord of the yeah. school court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can do no wrong in my yeah. eyes. Yep. But she's still having nightmares about the deaths that she's witnessed, deaths that she believes she's caused, and the pale woman ripping her to shreds, all watched over by a shadow.
1: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Do you have any predictions down the line for what you believe this shadow is or no? Well, the first thought comes to mind is that it's Tamlin. <laughs> ready to jump in and
1: save her. But Could that's be. Really, yeah, that's really all I got right now. But
0: okay. <laughs> I'll remember to ask you later. Okay. She is out in the garden when she feels a warm breeze coming from the south and she realizes the spring will be coming to the mortal land soon, which makes her think about her family and how she just let Tamlin take care of them and glamour their minds and distract her with paint. So she's kind of backtracking, getting into her head a little bit, thinking yeah. I've been distracted for weeks just letting him let me paint and not think about things that are important. She's in a sour mood all day and sits in silence throughout dinner. Lucian and Tamlin keep to themselves, which makes her even more bad, and she storms into the garden after dinner where Tamlin follows her and tells her the rose garden was put in by his father for his mother as a mating present. She plucks a rose, thorns and all and starts bleeding. She is mad that she feels this way and they didn't even try to stop someone from taking her after all that she did for them. But But it's interesting that she's still thinking this because they're glamored. They don't know that she was taken. I know. I feel like she just means in
1: the moment they didn't try and stop him at all. But true. Yeah, yeah,
0: that is true. They did nothing. Wow. Yeah, the beast stormed in. Although they- the dad did, I guess, try and offer gold,
1: but then I think she's just annoyed that there was no fight. He literally just walked out. She walked out, and they didn't even open the door to look no. at her leave or anything mm. like that, which is kind
0: of sad. Hey, Rish is making us sad all the time. I know her life is so sad. He says, if it grieves her, it isn't absurd. Yeah, that she's feeling this way. And he kisses both of her proms one at a time that is making her feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. She can feel the heat in between her legs. Spicy. And this is the first little spicy bit we've had in this book. I know. Thank freaking God we finally get to some spice. Well, we had some when she's, you know, taking her clothes off. Yeah, at the yeah. Starlight pool and he's looking her up and down. But this is the first mention of her feeling something down below. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> sorry, Dad. That's listening. That's our family. It's only going to get worse from here. I know. So, sorry. Ahead of time. My
1: dad's so cute. And he doesn't read the book, but he knows everything that's happening because he watches our podcast. So that's why I'm saying sorry, Dad. In advance.
0: <laughs> he tells her to enjoy every second of her joy that she deserves it. He tucks the rose behind her ear. The thorns are gone. And when she wants to know why, that's when he says the notable line that Amanda mentioned earlier, that her emotions fascinate him, even though he knows he shouldn't be. Yeah. He kisses her cheek, blood and all, and then tells her he will tell her everything when the time is right and when it's safe he leaves her then in the gardens and she notices that she doesn't want him to leave she wants him closer to her which is the first time that she's felt this way which is mortifying her that the next day she's like I gotta get out of here I need to go into the woods so she takes her bow and her hunting knife and is like things have changed between us I am mortified I need to get out of this house and away from Tamlin as quickly as possible before he spots me this morning but she's on her little path in the woods and she feels someone behind her so she's that's a trap. Knowing who it is, she catches Tamlin in a snare. And while he's hanging upside down, she strokes his hair and purse. But also, do you think that he didn't know that she set the snare for him? I mean, I know she caught the cereal, and I don't think the cereal will be caught unless the cereal wants to be caught. Yeah. Or doesn't know that they're going to be caught. Maybe she did catch Tamlin off guard by doing that. I think I just...
1: he probably just didn't think she would set a trap for him. Yeah. He probably thought he could just sneak up on her and yeah wasn't she's expecting like, it. Gotcha. <laughs> then two minutes later he's hanging upside
0: down. <laughs> Men. Those little shits. <laughs> so he cuts himself down and lands on his feet like the cat that he is, and he hands her five poems, which at first she's like I can't read, dude. Yeah. But then he takes them back and we only get to hear the first poem. But as the poems progress, they are dirtier and nastier than the last. Which I really want to know what they said. I know because I feel like the first one wasn't dirty. So I'm like, no, how can this be dirty? I need to know. <laughs> yeah. What did he say in the other four poems that we don't know? Yeah. But he wrote these poems based off of the words that she couldn't pronounce. Yeah. Once he he saw them, it was so intriguing that he had to turn them into something. And he's been doing this for a while because that's what they would do in the war camps while he was in the army for his father. And he got really good at them because he doesn't like to lose. Yeah. At the last one, she's laughing so hard that she says that the ice in her heart was breaking. Aww. So She's warming up. I love that. We learn a bit more about the mating bond when he's talking about his parents and that their bond was stronger than marriage. Yes,
1: this is actually a line that I noted as foreshadowing. And I'll read the line and then I'll explain. Page 176. High Faye wed without the mating bond. But if you find your mate, the bond is so deep that marriage is insignificant in comparison. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's some mm-hmm. foreshadowing that they are going to be a mated bond.
0: Mm. Or that we'll definitely see some mated bonds yes. down the line. Yes.
1: Now that we know there's this mystery man, it might not be Talon, but I think there will be some mated bond.
0: That we see at some that point. That we see. Yeah. Like Amanda has said to us before, we learned that his family was killed by an enemy High Lord and only he was spared, that he was never supposed to be the High Lord, and some of his father's courtiers went. To other courts than to have a warrior beast snarling at them, which reminded her when Nesta would call her a half wild beast. So another way that they relate to each other.
1: Yes, and I also think that it's worth noting here when she asks Lucian in the last episode where his court is. Like this kind of answers that question for us. So a lot of them left the Spring Court because he became in charge versus his dad or one of his brothers.
0: Instead of saying she understood, she called them idiots we also learn that Tamlin can play the fiddle, yes. which I keep laughing about. <laughs> Kalamai, aka Fire Night, is a ritual in the Spring Court where they celebrate and complete the ritual to bring magic to the lands for a year, which... Amanda has explained to us so lovely in our Thank world you. building section. <laughs> section We learn that humans do not celebrate holidays and are forbidden to do so in some areas. But he tells her she is not invited to come. So no holidays for her, even though now she's in <laughs> Perithian and where they do celebrate holidays, she is still not invited to come. Yeah. So she has to stay at the house where she is safe. The rest of their walk back is tense like it was back a few weeks ago. Every step forward they take, they're kind of taking a couple. Full steps back. Yeah. Then they feel a silence in the air, and this typically means one of the bad fairies were around. Tamlin tells her to hide and not be seen. When she ducks behind a bush, she cannot see who they're talking to, but she can hear them. So I think Tamlin probably glamors her vision so she can't see what or who they are talking to. Okay, because I just took this as it was an invisible fairy, but that
1: makes sense that she's glamour to not be able to see who it is.
0: Yeah, because I I think they can see who they're talking to. That makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. (laughs) you're, You're welcome. We learned that the thing was called an Ator and they were there to wonder why they hadn't given up to her yet and to make sure his warriors that had been deployed hadn't broken Lucian cuts him off saying he hasn't the ator says she could have this estate destroyed in seconds if she wanted to the ator takes off Feyre is shaken up and Tamlin is furious at the end of this chapter but he is certain that the ator has not seen her as she heads back to her room Lucian is very concerned do you think that the ator saw Feyre? Tim's like no he did not see her. So this makes me think that maybe the evil
1: her is actually not after Feyre. Mm. Or do you think she should be in the estate and not out of the estate? I guess it could go either way.
0: Yeah. I don't think that this she would be happy. Yeah. So it could have something to do with Feyre. It might not have something to do with Feyre. But either way, this she will probably not be happy no matter what. Yeah. I think
1: it's interesting, too, that the Ator says that she leaves the bad fairies as gifts for him as a reminder of what will happen. If they break Mm. the terms of dot dot dot, we didn't get the end of that. But so these are planned attacks on him. Mm. And he's over here just taking them out left and right and not really doing anything else about it, which might be why Lucian was so frustrated in the beginning of the stretch of chapters with him. Yeah.
0: like Why aren't you do anything? We're running out of time. Yeah. Lucian's scared. Yeah. He's
1: definitely afraid of something. I want to know what the time crunch is, though. Mm. Because when you talk to Tamlin, he's like, it's all going to be righted. Don't worry about it. But then Lucian's like, what the
0: fuck? Lucian's running around with a chicken with his head cut off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the slaughtered chicken she got from the kitchen. And, and Tamlin's like, la, la, la. Yeah. I can't do what is needed because I can't hurt their kind like my father did. And Lucian's yeah. like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah.
1: But even the cereal was like, just stay with him until it's all righted and you'll be safe. So mm-hmm. he's on the side of Tamlin. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. So it's just very confusing. Is it a time concern that we all need to as readers be concerned with or are they going to be good? I don't know. I think we should be concerned. Oh, I'm definitely concerned, but <laughs> I need to know why.
0: Yeah, but it's strange because I feel like even the Servo is like there is no help, but just stay with the High Lord. Yeah. But he wasn't very helpful when it came to information. Maybe he would have given more if the Naga hadn't come, but I know. At least we would have maybe found out who the deceiver was. And at last, we are at our final chapter, chapter 20. I'm going to take a sip from my wine before we begin this one. Yeah, let's take my sparkling water sip. I picked a good wine. Ooh,
1: I know you had a different one. I like that.
0: Yeah, I think I'll do something different each time. So it spices it up a bit. Yeah, I love that. So, chapter 20. Feyre wants to go to the fire ritual, even though she was not invited. She can see fire, hear the drums, almost summoning her to this event. She is about to go check it out when Tamlin comes down the stairs. And he is shirtless with just the sword around his body. No wonder she wants to go to the ceremony, you little tease. I know. You're (laughs) going to this party shirtless and I'm not invited? Yeah. What? I have to go to my room by myself. He says he has to go though. doesn't really seem like he wants to go but he has to go because he's the high lord and he has to perform the great rite. Yes. I feel like she wants to ask about what this great rite is but he tells her to go to her room and to stay there and make a snare and not come out until the morning. Yeah. And then he takes off running into the garden, into the woods like some sort of ninja warrior. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> and he's gone. This reminds me a- of that
1: scene from Bring It On when they tell her to do like front handspring round off back handspring it's
0: just like going off he's like I'm an avoider and I (laughs) am going to avoid this conversation at all costs so I'm just gonna run away like the chicken that I am she goes to her room but by 10pm after being locked in she's like ah going to check out this party. Uh, I keep hearing the drums. I keep seeing these fires and I no longer want to be trapped in this house. So screw what Tamlin says. I'm going to the party. She goes to take her horse out of the stable and no one stops her. She's been learning these past couple of weeks how to ride without a saddle. So she takes the horse out into the woods and finds the first bonfire. She ties up her horse and then begins to wander around. She sees a cave with a pelt inside and fairies lining the path to the cave. She thinks this is where the great rite will be performed. She steps away and watches them when three male fairies take an interest in her. They realize that she is human and they want to have fun with her after the rite is performed. They start herding her towards the trees and the darkness. But it's interesting that prior to these three fairies... No one really took interest with her. Yeah, she yeah. has a cloak on and like a hood up, but she was around a bunch of fairies before these three take notice of her. But maybe it's because she kind of stepped back from everything and was just watching when these three come upon her. I feel like they should have
1: smelled her out, though. They can smell fear. They can smell humans. And they can't smell her in this moment. I was like... Yeah,
0: only these three can.
1: Yeah. So maybe there's some glamorized something being done here by Tamlin to Yeah, or her. they're all
0: just preoccupied and fire night and enjoying themselves that they don't care maybe most of them that they're just getting or does the great right involve a human so they just think maybe they're smelling that maybe we'll have to find out mm-hmm. but they start herding her towards the trees and the darkness she goes to go for her knife but another deep sensual male's voice says there you are i've been looking for you stay me <laughs> it makes the other three males go pale. The savior puts a casual arm around her and thanks them for finding her. They basically run away, and when Fear goes to thank the stranger, she says, it was the most beautiful man I have ever seen. Whoa. I just want to say that again. There you are. I've been looking for you. Obviously, this person is High Fey, so maybe it is so. another High Lord. Maybe. So, Yay. Amanda, what yes. do you think the great rite ritual is that Tamlin has to partake in during the Kalanmai ceremony. I don't have any ideas of what exactly it is, but I do think it's something that he's
1: trying to shield from Feyre. Mm. And I don't think there being hundreds of fairy around is the only reason why he doesn't want her there. I feel like he's gonna do something bad that's gonna maybe put a bad taste in her mouth about mm-hmm. him. Especially cause he's like I have to partake in it. Like it's something he doesn't want to do. And I don't think he's killing a human or torturing a human or anything but I, I feel like it might have something to do with the humans because again they couldn't smell her when she was around. So I feel like it's something that mm-hmm. he doesn't want her Mm courtesy and it has to do with something with humans I think for them to be all happy about it and to travel through all these different courts to see something I feel like it has to have a human involved for sure well
0: we will definitely find out in the next set of chapters
1: I'm gonna literally start reading as soon as we're done with this episode (laughs) because I can't wait
0: you're like I need to know who this beautiful man is and I need to know what the great right is Yes, I need to know. Next question, Amanda. She leaves the fairies he hunts and kills to remind him of what will happen if he breaks the terms of dot da dot. And then we are cut off. What do you think the agreement is between Tamlin and the evil she? So we
1: kind of already started answering this question a little bit. So I definitely think Feyre is involved. Mm-hmm. How? I'm not sure yet. Mm. or the humankind in general. Yeah, And I feel like they might be in cahoots to go against the king, fight the blight, maybe. You
0: think the evil she and Tamlin are in cahoots to fight the blight?
1: Yeah. I get into this in my predictions, but I feel like she's not evil. She's just portrayed to be evil in this moment. Mm. But I'll explain more (laughs) in a second when I go over my predictions. But I feel like it definitely involves Feyre. Mm -hmm. Maybe she is evil and is supposed to hurt her, but I just
0: can't see him ever doing that. Yeah. So. Well, we will, I think, I'm pretty sure also that we'll find out, I think, at the end of the next set of chapters of what the game plan is. No way. Something to be excited about for you and for our listeners. Wait, you mean we find out who she is? I think we don't fully find out, but I think we find out what the plan is. So it gives you Mm -hmm. something to look forward to.
1: Yes. I'm so looking forward to the next section. Teaser. I cannot
0: wait. From here on out, even in these sets of chapters, was more excitement, more everything. And I think it's only just going to intensify as we go from episode to episode from here on out. I feel like the first episode was definitely introduction to the
1: world, to the characters. And now Mm. we're finally getting into the meat and potatoes of the book. There's still quite a lot of world building in this section, though, which surprised me. did not expect to talk as much about the world building this time I, around, but there still was so much.
0: Yeah, I think it's great that we get to learn a little bit more as the story goes along because it makes more sense because we're learning it as Feyre does as a reader. Exactly. So yeah. it's almost like, yeah, like she doesn't know.
1: Yeah, she has no idea how many different species of fairies there are. And just from reading 20 chapters, we've encountered at least five to 10 different species. So mm-hmm. I just think it's cool. Yeah, definitely world building genius.
0: Exactly. (laughs) All right. Now let's get into your predictions.
1: Yes. Okay. So this is going to be a good section, I think. I think I got some good, solid predictions here. Do I need to
0: school my face? Because I haven't looked at them ahead of time. Oh, okay. No, No.
1: actually, I want your raw reaction, but also not too giving. Okay. So So, Megan had mentioned last episode that she doesn't want me to change any of my predictions and she just wants me to build off them. So first, I'm going to remind everyone of the predictions I made and then add to them. I also have, a couple new ones to mention as well that I'm going to spring on you. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Bring it. So my first prediction of last episode was that she's going to paint something and Taman will fall in love with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we know obviously she finally asks for painting supplies and she's paint shy. She doesn't want to show any of her paintings to anyone. She is paint-shy. Yeah, she's paint-shy. She's so in awe of all the paintings in the gallery and doesn't think hers compares. So I'm predicting that Tamlin will somehow see these paintings anyways Mm -hmm. and compliment her on them. And I see the the love building from there Mm. on. She's not going to approach him with a painting to show her. He's going to see it, compliment her, and she's going to be like, oh, okay, and gain a little bit more confidence in herself as a painter. Okay. I think the compliments will solidify their bond and take their romance to the next level because we already see them kind of getting into the little love spat and i have no idea where this mystery man comes into play here but i'm just playing off my old (laughs) prediction here so i mean maybe it's the mystery man that sees the paintings instead and compliments her but i think somebody will and Mm -hmm. this is how they're going to get to her heart break that ice Right open. That's a good one. Vera also mentions that there are different styles of paintings in the galleries, and she thought that there were a number of different painters. Who contributed to the gallery. So now I'm wondering, does Tamlin actually paint too? Maybe he's just been so busy these last few years fighting off this blight, but maybe he did contribute to the gallery.
0: Well, we know he can write a poem so yeah, and play a fiddle. <laughs> and play a fiddle. Yeah. So that's a question
1: I have for myself to follow up with in the next section. But for now, we'll just move on to my second prediction that the court that Lucian asked Vera how she knows about, I thought that something bad happened to them or maybe Farrah will team up with Tamlin and Lucian to get them back or did they turn their back on him for some reason and Lucian and previously Andrus are the only ones who stayed loyal so I totally admit I was wrong about half of this <laughs> I know now that there is a secret court that Tamlin is a part of and when Farrah asks about the court she definitely met where are his other emissaries and courtiers not what Lucian was thinking about at all so we already knew that she kind of recognized that they were talking about two different things. Mm -hmm. But we learn in this section of chapters that most of them left after he took over for his father when they were killed. Mm -hmm. And Lucian was sort of adopted by Tamlin after the brutal treatment he received from his father and brothers. So I think the secret court is more along the lines of the High Lords. Some of the High Lords, maybe not all of them from Prithian, that are plotting now how to fix the magic and end the blight. Mm. and somehow get back at the King of Hybern for doing this all to them. We'll see. We will see. So my third prediction was that I noticed the author dedicated the book to Josh, her husband, and says, because you would go under the mountains for me. I love you. Mm. So I did assume that we would travel there at some point in this book. Mm -hmm. And I think the mural showing this bald mountain peak is another hint of foreshadowing that we're going to make it under the mountains. There has to be some connection here. Knowing the peak is bald of snow and life makes me think that it's just a really dangerous place. And I think our trio or the secret court and Feyre will have no choice but to enter this territory
0: to end the blight. Interesting. Yes. All right. What else do you got for me? The
1: last one I didn't really comment on. I just, it's still kind of lingering there. I think her family is going to come back into the story at some point. Mm -hmm. We know Nesta comes into her thoughts again and we know that the family is glamorized. So I don't think that they'll be used as bait anymore, but I do think that maybe somebody will try and punish Feyre and do something to them or capture them in some sort of way. Now onto my juicy new prediction. I'm scared. this part was so exciting to write down I was like I can't wait to see what Begit says but I know you can't say much but (laughs) yeah okay so I only have two new ones but they're kind of lengthy so the first one is Tamlin's family was murdered by an enemy high lord because they were brutal and did not honor the treaty once it was in place Tamlin saw the things that they did to the mortals and it stuck with him I think the enemy high lord spared Tamlin's life because they knew he would fight for freedom for all and would fight for the mortals I believe this enemy high lord is on the secret court to help fix the blight of magic and that the mercenary if she is the evil one is too.
0: Does that make sense? It does make sense. I don't really know if I can say much to this prediction at this time. So I'm just going to say that is a very cool prediction and I I will take note and we'll talk about it later. Yes. Okay. Perfect. So
1: my last one was the surreal mentioned that a deceiver turned on the King of hybrid 50 years ago. I think it's already a character that we know of who the deceiver is. So my initial thought was that it was Tamlin. He mentions he's a warrior for his father Warband or others. Could that have been the King of Hibern? But we also know that he would fight to his death for freedom of all. So he was either the deceiver from the beginning and tricked the king without harming any mortals or it wasn't him. So my next thought was that maybe it was Alice. Alice? Yes. So... (laughs) And here's why. Maybe she was one of the ancient warriors, but when her family was killed, she turned on the king. She mentions that her sister and husband were murdered 50 mm-hmm. years ago. Hmm. And the serial tells Fera that the king was deceived 50 years ago. So the timeline kind of makes sense here Hmm. for it to be Alice.
0: I'm shocked. Alice (laughs) did not expect
1: you to say her name. I know, right? Well, we also don't get much of a mention of her in this, except for the fact that it's her family that Mm -hmm. they're talking about. So I feel like there is a reason why we know about her family now. Okay. So it just made sense to me in this moment but I have a third who I think I was also bouncing around the idea that it could be the mercenary and that she actually was in fact a spy and then realized the intentions of the king and turned on him to fight for the freedom of the mortals but I think I'm leaning more towards that she could be one of the mortal queens that somehow became immortal so I think I'm leaning towards Alice so far here for being the deceiver whoa well we will see (laughs) won't we yes we will there has to be some reason why she's a main character I just think she's just got to be more than a servant here but who knows i could be completely wrong
0: (laughs) We, we shall see what the next set of
1: chapters bring us Yes, we shall. That's all we have for you today. A lot to think about and process for us first-time readers. I'm so excited to continue reading and figure out who this mystery man is. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving us some reviews and some comments on any of the platforms you are listening slash watching on or on our social media pages. This helps tremendously to get the word out and lead more listeners to find our show and tune in.
0: Yes, thank you for all the support and love that we've received the past few weeks since the trailer and our first episode has dropped. So don't forget, next week, we'll be discussing chapters 21 to 32, which is so exciting. I can't wait to talk about it all with you and our listeners. Also, please don't forget to email, follow, subscribe, rate us five stars and tell all your friends about us. And that's all we have for now. I hope the rest of your day is blissful.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week where we start part three of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas covering chapters 21 through 32. Happy reading!